Now, here's the starting lineup for the Generations Sports Podcast, presented by Calf Sports. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is, wherever you are, and welcome to the Generations Sports Podcast. I'm Jeff Kennedy, along with Bill Lunkovich. Hey now. Dave Zorn. Yo. Casey Everett. Hi. Good morning, guys. You guys sounded a little more enthusiastic when I first ran into you this morning <laughs> than you do now. Well, it's pretty much the end of my day, Jeff. Actually, it's not, but I'm just saying that just to have fun. It's the best time of the year, October, sports, baseball playoffs, college and pro football underway. The Good time to be a sports NBA fan. NBA starting, too. Yep, NHL, too. We've got all four sports rolling here soon. Absolutely. Good stuff. And we will talk about most, but not all of it. Of course, uh, we will look at our MLB playoffs coming up this weekend. Also, college football have some great games on tap. Then we'll have Stump the Unk, our opportunity to see if we can get one pass Bill. Then we'll talk some NFL football, some key games, Jacksonville versus the Buffalo Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, the headliner on that one. Sports through the ages. Bill gets the honors this week. Betting with Bill. See if he can give us some ironclad locks of the week. And then Dave Zorn will let us know about everything going on locally with sports around the mountain. So let's get right to it. Guys, don't forget your crunch time. You get a minute. No more. Certainly less, if you choose, <laughs> at the end of the show. I'll try to keep it under a minute. Try to, try to keep it I'll under try. a minute. All right, we'll, we're, we're going to make it happen. Major League Baseball playoffs, let's start. Let's start with the American League. Casey, how about you don't go first? How about we start with Bill? <laughs> All right. I, well, it's, it's awkward that we're doing this on Wednesday. It's coming out Friday, the podcast. But I, I like both American League's East teams, the Baltimore Orioles and Tampa Bay Rays. I think Baltimore is super young. But they won 101 games this year. And Tampa Bay is a great organization who knows how to win. And I really think the Houston Astros can be beat. They're a very good team. So I'm going to stick with the two American League East teams, the Orioles and the Rays, to, to play for the pennant. I don't know. I, well, after watching Houston uh, the last weekend of the regular season uh, sweep the Diamondbacks uh, in a series they needed, that's good momentum for them coming into this. So I, I actually like them. Um, and you know what? I... Baltimore, it's a no-name team. I mean, I, I can't name a certain uh, one player on that team, honestly, right now. Adley so, Rushman? You know again, that I would not have known that. I, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. But, yeah, a Baltimore-Houston ALCS might be interesting, so I'll, I'll go with that route. I like Baltimore-Houston ALCS. Well, I shouldn't say I like because I don't like anything really about Houston other than Dusty Baker. But yeah. um, I, I think that's the way it's going to end up. Interesting fact with the Baltimore Orioles, though, I don't know if you guys knew this, they bounce back from adversity better than any team in baseball this year. Check this out. Um, their ability to bounce back, they haven't been swept in 91 consecutive multi-game series dating back to May of 2022. Wow. And they have never dropped more than four straight games in 2023. Perhaps no team is better at responding to adversity during the course of a series than Baltimore. That's going to make them tough to beat in the playoffs. Casey, we we have made our way back around to you. Yeah, probably a good thing. What say you? <laughs> okay, so I actually don't think that the the Rays are actually going to make it past the wild card round. I think the Rangers actually looked really good in their first game. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we're going to have to see what happens with that. And the Rays could bounce back and just reverse sweep them. But I think the Rangers versus Baltimore – is a way better matchup for the Orioles than it would be the Rays versus Orioles. I think that the Rangers just, their lineup is way more stacked than the Rays and their pitching rotation, considering that they've had multiple injuries to their rotation, isn't that bad, but the Rays rotation is very good. So if whether you like pitching or hitting, that's the team that's going to win that series. For the Houston series, the Twins looked really good, and they haven't won a game in 18 years in the playoffs. That was a big deal. They, they talked years. about that on the game last night. X amount of games they had lost in a row. Yeah, and so this, I don't know if they will get past Houston. Houston, when it comes to the playoffs, they're a very good team. So it'll probably, I, I like Houston probably coming away and going to the ALCS. But the Rangers, I think it, it would be a, like a fairy tale ending to be Rangers versus Astros in the ALCS they, it came down to that last game of the season. I think that will be a cool ALCS. Okay. All right, let's turn our attention to the National League, where Atlanta and L.A. got the privilege of waiting for whoever. 
thing I mentioned uh, earlier in the earlier in the podcast. The Arizona Diamondbacks have won nine of the last eleven games. They are in the National League Wild Card spot as of today. Will they stay there? Everybody else on this podcast says no. I say yes. Call me a homer. Call me an idiot. Call me whatever. But I'm sold on this team now, not next year, not the year after, this year. Mark this tape, save this quote, but the Diamondbacks will make the Major League Baseball playoffs this season as a wild card team, and y'all can just go away. All right, so that was Dave's rant like six weeks ago when the Diamondbacks looked like they were fading and fading quickly. Dave, to your credit, you stood by your homer team, and here they are. Here they are. Here they are. I think the rest of us just wish they would have gone away so that we didn't have to have this conversation. But, Dave, you have 25 seconds. You've got the floor. (laughs) I don't need that many. I'm a stinking genius. Back to you, Jeff. (laughs) That's it. Okay. I think, if if I understand correctly, the Diamondbacks got into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. Doesn't matter how they got in, so they got in. Don't don't be... um, Tooting your own horn there too much, there. Do be happy won, your team's in the playoffs. And they won their first playoff game. So, so who cares? I guess that's something. Here, here is better the, than Nationals. Here's the uncharacteristic thing that is developing here in this studio. I'm just genius in the universe. Well, here's the thing: you have repeatedly sold me on the fact that when you start talking trash. Bad things happen to your team. I know. So, 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 what are you doing right now? Listen. So, my friends all call it the Zorn Jinx, and I, sometimes I've used it to my advantage. I've, I've purposely have talked smack just because I need to win a bet or something, I, and it's worked that way. I just, I have to subconsciously try not to, try to work it that way to where it's not doesn't get in the way, but it's real. It's a real thing, and. I think I got it from from Phoenix local sports show host, not Jeff Kennedy, but John Gambadoro. When one day, when USC was trailing at halftime to USC, you might remember this. Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush was on that team. Gamble comes into the hey, ASU's got this beat. They played great. This is no brainer. It's over. And then USC came right back and won. And I, I from that point on, I think some of that got into me, and then I started to have being a jinx. So I'm blaming him for all that. So then you'll have yourself to blame. When this doesn't go well for I the Diamondbacks, I didn't say they're going to win the series. I just said they were going to get to the. They're going to be a wild card team. True. And they did. Granted, yeah, granted. Okay. No, so I we'll, haven't said anything we'll, after that. We'll give that. Can can we move on to picks yeah. for the National League Division Series now? Can, stinking can, have, genius have, says yes. Have we arrived at? All right. The genius says we stinking can move. Genius. Okay. The stinking genius. Yeah, thank you. Says that we can move on. Casey, I'm going to try to start with you again. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. The Diamondbacks, yes, they won game one against Corbin Burns, and they lit up Corbin Burns. They really did. So I really like the Diamondbacks. I mean, it seems like they have this fire. And I know it's the local team. We're in Arizona. But they're pitching. We'll see how it goes. Because Zach Allen, we'll see how he fares. I'm not sold yet. He pitched pitched very well during the regular season. He hasn't had postseason baseball experience, so that might hurt him. But... If they get to the division series round, they're going against the Dodgers. And let's be honest, I think that's where the fairy tale ends. But going on to the other side, the Marlins versus the Phillies. Phillies, like, come on. But then it'll be the Phillies versus the Atlanta Braves. That's going to be a fun series. It's going to be a lot of bats, mediocre pitching, a lot of home runs, a lot of runs in general. I'm excited for that series. All right, Bill, can you please make some sense out of all this for us? Well, I think everybody's making some great points here, but that really the Braves and Dodgers are clearly a step above all the other playoff teams. Um, you know, wild wild card, Philly, they're a bit of a long shot, but they've got a whole bunch of playoff and World Series experience, but anybody can get hot for two weeks. And uh, I, I'd be honestly shocked, actually, if the Braves don't win the National League pennant this year. Thanks, Bill, for agreeing with me. I call myself a stinking genius. I I appreciate that backup from you. Um, No, laughter. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'll just say this about the the, the Diamondback series. They they won four or six games against Milwaukee coming into the series. They won both series in Milwaukee and and in Arizona. So it was a perfect matchup for them in the first round. As for the other ones, uh, you know, I got to go with Bill. I mean, Atlanta is is a complete package, and I, I would be stunned. Uh, and actually, I'm going to make it the stinking genius lock here. Atlanta and the Dodgers in the NLCS. 
So you're not counting? I'm th- no, he's so I'm not. he's trying to jinx the Dodgers right now. <laughs> oh, no. Don't go out on a limb there. My, I'm throwing I'm throwing the it in there. The Zorn jinx. Well, and, and here's the thing: I I would I would take the bait if it were that, but there's not really a lot of reason for us to feel comfortable. And I'm talking about those who are Dodger fans to feel comfortable playing anyone. Now, granted. Most people going into the season thought that they would win around 90 games. I know Dave predicted about 88. I said 92. And here they are, 100 wins again, and, and, and waiting for their next opponent. But the starting pitching is suspect. I mean, we're going to get Clayton Kershaw, who has somehow pieced together a pretty good season to, to piggyback a great career. But his fastball right now, his four-seamer, is down under 90 miles per hour. And then you've got Bobby Miller, who... Has pitched great. He's a rookie. He shows poise. We'll see how he fares. And then somewhere in there, Lance Lynn is going to get a start and a chance to give up even more home runs. And they always come at the wrong time. So we just don't feel that comfortable regardless of the opponent, and yet we're happy to be here. Because you got the offense. Well, yeah. Well, that, You probably have the top two finishes in the, MV, in the NL MVP as you're in your well, two of the top three, three. yeah. Two you probably three. well, depending uh, on how they vote, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to win the National League oh, you MVP. Think? I do. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it's not even close. Absolutely. But, but I just want to point this out: the last time the Dodgers played an NL West team in the playoffs, what happened? Go ahead, Jeff. Well, they lost to him. It was it was the Padres. Yeah, last exactly. year, a year ago. Yep. So I, 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 I know that's. Didn't I just say that there's nothing that makes me feel comfortable? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you go against a division rival yeah. in the playoffs, anything can happen. Without a doubt. Because you you know each other. You've seen each other a lot. And like I said, pitching, you really need for your pitching staff to get hot for two weeks in the playoffs. And there's, it's tough to see. Now, on the other side, yeah, I love Atlanta. I think they've been the best team all year long. I would be surprised if somehow they don't advance and get an opportunity to play in the last series of the season. They're the best team. That's their, how it should their go. Their lineup top to bottom is just incredible. Absolutely. Anybody in that lineup can go deep. And they I think they tied the major league record for home runs in a season this year. I think they hit over 300 home runs. Yeah. All ridiculous. right. Real, real quick, before we close the book on baseball, can we look at a, a couple of things that I want to touch on? Number one, the, the fires. Not even so much the hires. I mean, Gabe Kapler gets canned in San Francisco – Buck Showalter gets canned in in New York. I don't know how do you how you don't get canned in New York. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised at the Gabe Kapler firing, but people around the San Francisco Giants are pretty happy with it. Phil Nevin also just got fired from the Angels. Yeah, oh, really? so yeah, so he just got let go too. The Angels said that he will not be coming back. And if you look at all the people that were let go, underwhelming seasons. That's just what it was. The Mets had a very underwhelming season after spending so huge in the offseason. It makes sense why Buck is gone. The but, highest payroll in baseball, the Mets. Yeah. And they, they finished 12 games under 500. Somebody's got to be the scapegoat, and it's yeah. going to be Buck. He's gone. Yeah, well, well, technically he said he wouldn't be back. That's a veteran coach's way of uh, you know letting him get, leave on his own recognizance instead of sending him to life in prison. So, I mean, so he, uh, and that's good. I mean, I think Buck needs to be retired and go. He's not a bad commentator. I wouldn't mind seeing him back on Fox or one of those, one of those, um, you know, areas for, you know, postseason baseball or even regular season two. Also, the, the retirees. I mean, we, we say goodbye oh, to some great ones. Uh, Cabrera, you know, Miguel Cabrera, Adam Wainwright, Zach Granke probably played his last game, yeah. Joey Votto. And then we have the possibles. I, I don't know if you looked at the possible list, Clayton Kershaw could be playing in his last series. Mm. How about Evan Longoria could be playing his could, last game? Depending on how far they go, yeah. Charlie Morton could be done. And Andrew McCutcheon. These are all guys that could say after their long careers that they're hanging it up. But about about Longoria, though, I mean, I would agree with you going into the playoffs, but that game one, he had not one but two game-saving snags at third base. The guy can still play. He can still play. It, the, since there's a DH in the NL, I mean, it gives him opportunities not to play third base every day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm re- I'm actually really excited about these players, and these were players that really was my childhood. Mm-hmm. That was the era of when I was a kid when these guys started making it up to the big leagues. And Miguel Cabrera, obviously, starting with the Marlins, won a World Series when he was super young, and then became a Triple Crown winner. Fantastic career from Miguel Cabrera. Adam Wainwright too started as a closer actually, and then made his way to the starting rotation. He's been a very good pitcher ever since. Andrew McCutcheon, I mean. 
man who it was like a story book ending for his career going back to uh pittsburgh and being part of the pirates again so. all right now and, and bill I, I do want to hear from you on this obviously miguel cabrera first ballot hall of famer oh, okay yeah. oh, absolutely. Uh, um what about zach granke joey Votto? Are, are, are these guys first ballot hall of famers or, or do they get in or do they have to wait zach granke's got some very good numbers i don't think he's first ballot um joey Votto, absolutely not you know he, he's not going to get in but um, you know, baseball lost somebody really. Or Tim Wakefield, one of the last knuckleball yeah, pitchers, yeah. brain cancer. Um, he was a, a first baseman when he got drafted originally, and he mastered the knuckleball when his career was over. He won two hundred games, hmm. and you know, baseball will miss him. And I heard he was just as a nice guy as he was a great player. Yeah, great call, Bill. Great, great never call. had a chance to deal with him, but yeah, I heard, I heard the same thing. And I, I've always loved watching games when he pitched, just to just to see the knuckleball. Because you don't see it too much anymore. I know. I know someone, uh, uh, one of the teams that wasn't making the playoffs, came out and threw a knuckleball in like his honor, and it was all over the place. It was like like one of those butterfly pitches. And I don't know if you've ever caught a knuckleball. My no. brother-in-law could throw a great knuckleball, and this is 10, 15 years ago when I was still somewhat athletic. <laughs> he threw me a knuckleball and it hit me in the chest. I could catch a baseball. He had no idea where it was going. Right? <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> but before we move on the football, I want to mention a couple of the retirement things that of the guys we're talking about. Cabrera with Detroit. I mean, having his kids, you know, say his name coming to the plate. Him playing first base and actually snagging a ground ball and and, and getting the out the end of the uh, eighth inning the last game, everything Detroit did for Miguel w- 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 was awesome that game. I remember seeing just a bunch of highlights from that. And then Wainwright, I mean, <laughs> the Cardinals. The big thing is is like the kids the kids are bugging me about getting a dog, and I told them not until I retire. And so. The the pregame ceremony. The, the, here comes a basket out. The Cardinals actually bought him a puppy. Oh. <laughs> this was rare breed dog, and then and then they uh, they uh, put him in DH uh, at the last at bat uh, that they had, so he could get in that bat uh, during the game. And of course, you know, we didn't get on base, but at least I, that might be one of the first times this year, I think, in the NL that a pitcher's been put in as a DH. Uh, I, I don't remember anybody really do. I know the Angels did it with Otani, but I mean National League. That might be the only time that an NL team has actually done that. And it, Wayne Wright did it, and he was a great hitting pitcher too, by the way. All right, guys, let's move on to college football. All right, so we've got we've got three games that we want to focus on. Number twelve. Let's start with number twelve. Oklahoma is at number three. Texas. Both of them are five and zero. Oh. Texas is a six and a half point favorite. Bill, I'm going to start with you. What, what do they call it? The Red River? Red River Rivalry. Red River, Red River Rivalry. Rivalry. It's hard to say. Can't Tongue say that um, no. You know, interesting stat here. The, the, they play every year. The last eight times they've played, total score has been 49 points at the lowest. So 49 points or higher are scored. I think uh, Oklahoma is going to get their points. I think Texas is going to get their points. They have a much better defense. Uh, I think uh, Texas proves they're one of the elite teams in the nation this year. So you're taking Texas and the points on that? Texas and the over. Oh, and the over. Uh, I, I this game is tough because of the rivalry and it's you know through the Texas State Fair and all this kind of stuff, all the things that kind of are connected to it. Uh, I don't. I never trust this game, but since we're having to pick this game, I'll take Texas at home as well. It, they're good. I don't know if they're six and a half good, but I'll take them anyway. I'm going to be one of those guys and say that Oklahoma is going to go onto the road and beat Texas this I can week. See it? It could happen. Yeah. They got a very pro- prolific offense with Dylan Gabriel. I mean, the guy's putting up huge numbers every week. Yeah, so I'm going with them. All I, right. I thought I'd go Oklahoma. I'm going to stick with Texas at home and lay the six and a half. But Casey, I, I don't think that you're far off as well. Yeah. All right. How about Maryland? They are five and zero. Oh. They are at number four, Ohio State. Now the line on this one, at least at, at the time that we're recording this, is Ohio State minus twenty. Oh. And. Um, Casey, I'm going to start with you. That's a rough thing. I mean, both undefeated. Te- well, no, Ohio lost a game. No, they. No, they're four and zero. They're four and zero. So, so I mean, is this Maryland team th- that pedigree though? Do they have the experience? Do they have the players? I don't think so. I think this is Ohio wash. I don't know if it's by twenty. That's a that's a huge amount. But um, I, I would say like fourteen. Well, Tua's uh, little brother is a quarterback for Maryland, and he puts up big numbers. They haven't played anybody of this quality yet. I think it's 20 points for a reason, and I think Ohio State uh, wins and covers easily here. All right. Maryland's wins came against Towson, Charlotte, Virginia, Michigan State on the road, and at home against Indiana. They have not played anybody. And no offense to the schools they beat, by the way, but they really haven't played anybody. However... 
they always play Ohio State tough. Always, whether it be at home or in the shoe. So but minus twenty, minus twenty. Ouch. Dude, just because of the history of this, I, I'm going to take Maryland to cover. I think Ohio State wins the game, but man, 20 is way too much. I'll take Maryland to cover. All right. I, I think Ohio State is elite. I'm going to take them. I think they win by three touchdowns. I like Ohio, Ohio State at home. All right. Number 20, Kentucky, 5-0, and is at number one, Georgia, 5-0. and Georgia's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Dave, I'm starting with you. Georgia got out of the last game by the skin of their teeth. They're playing at home against a ranked team. I don't think that's going to happen two weeks in a row. I'm taking Georgia and the points on that. This is a big, huge SEC matchup. Kentucky is is playing above their heads right now, and I'm pretty impressed with them. Georgia has not looked good offensively. No turnovers, and Kentucky, I, I think they can hang with them. I'm looking for a very good game. Georgia hasn't lost a football game for 660 yeah. days. That's nuts. <laughs> that's Almost that's two nuts. years. That's stupid. That's nuts. If you're a fan of Georgia, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Take a loss one of these days. <laughs> so, Bill, you like Kentucky. You're gonna you're gonna take the 14 and a half. You like I am. Kentucky. I'm taking on Kentucky the on the road. All right, Casey. Yeah, I I'm I watched that Georgia game last week, and I was not impressed with their offense. Like you said, Bill, they barely won that game. Their offense is looking to – it looks like it's struggling a little bit. So I'm interested to see how Kentucky fares against that. Uh, I still have Georgia winning that game, though. All right, but what about – are you taking the points? Kentucky? Fourteen and a half. Fourteen and a half. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. That's a tough one. All right, so Casey, in case you didn't get the memo – we're not just picking wins and losses. Who wins and who losses, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I oh, fine, I'll take the spread. I think that Georgia will win by 14 and a half. Oh, you think they will? Okay. Yep. So let me, I'll take it. Let me move. Oh, in. so you're actually marking this down? Yeah. Okay. All right. We uh, keep track of everything we, we, here. <laughs> Casey's laying the points. He likes Georgia to win by more than two touchdowns. All right, this one is a tough one for me. Bill, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on that. I think Kentucky can stay with them. I just have a feeling Georgia is still an elite program. Yes, they win the game. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lay the 14 and a half also. I think that they proved to the rest of the country this year that might still be doubting them because they haven't played great. I think they prove who they are in this game against a ranked opponent. I like Georgia. I'm laying the 14 and a half. All right, guys, before we get into the NFL, it's time for one of our favorite segment segments, our chance to get one by Bill, we call it. It's time for Stop the Question. <laughs> I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Dave, you get to go first. How dare you? Because I forgot this segment that was even existed on this podcast. So I'm trying to find one. So uh, okay. I'll defer myself to the end on this one. Casey. All right. I guess I can go. So, Bill, who has the most NBA Finals appearance as a player? As a player, it's probably has to be a Celtic because they used to go every single year. I, I'm going to go with Bill Russell. Nice. I haven't got the first one right all year. <laughs> nice. All right. While Dave is still looking his up, I've got one for you. And Bill, I know how much you love your baseball trivia, especially, well, I'm not going to give you any more hint than that. Who was the first reliever elected to the Hall of Fame? Would you like me to give you a hint? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, all right. Raleigh Fingers, Goose Gossage, Dennis Eckersley, or Hoyt Wilhelm? Who? <laughs> Hoyt Wilhelm was the original knuckleball pitcher, and he's the oldest guy. Um, off the top of my head, I might have said Fingers or uh, Gossage, but it's Hoyt Wilhelm played in the 50s and 60s, and I, I'm going to go with Hoyt Wilhelm. Oh, nice job. Two for two? Well, a little bit of information. Hoyt Wilhelm was nearly 30 years old when he entered the major leagues, and then he pitched until he was nearly 50. Oh, wow. He retired with one of the lowest career earned run averages, 2.52, in baseball history. As a knuckleballer? Yeah. Yeah, Pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, let's see if if Unk can sweep it here. I I, I found that literally at the last second. I I actually like this question. I wish I found it earlier. All right, here we go. Everyone knows that the Hall of Fame great Michael Jordan played his college ball in North Carolina, but playing for the Tar Heels wasn't his first choice. In fact, he actually rooted for NC State while growing up. Who did Jordan originally want to play for? Uh, 
I, I well, don't, want some hints? I would like. I would like a hint. Okay, yeah, let me. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you three. Let's see. Uh, Georgetown, St. John's, UCLA, or Kansas. I'm going to go with St. John's. No. No. I'm going to say Kansas. Well, three of them I just made up off the top of my head just to kind of throw everybody <laughs> okay. off. But and Michael Jordan's first choice was UCLA. Wow. But the Bruins never recruited him. Had they recruited him, he would have ended up a Bruin. Wow, wow. Bill. That, that, doesn't that make us want to throw one of our size 13s through the window right now? Got it. Just imagine. No, because you had Kareem. <laughs> was, well, different era, Dave. Was, was Wooden, different. Sti- was Wooden still there? No. No, he's, he was gone by then? Who was it? Was it, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, UCLA, the head coach, is, it's a laundry list of uh, successful guys. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the guy. Was Especially there. back then, too. Yeah. Let's talk some NFL football. All right, so now I've got games here. You guys are going to have to help me out with betting lines. I want to start with the early morning game. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Buffalo Bills. Jaguars are 2-2, two and two, Bills 3-1, and one, and Bills look fantastic against Miami this past weekend. Um, Casey, let's start with you. Uh, I have Bills easily. They're going to cover. <laughs> I you don't think, even know what the spread is. I don't so care. Right it's, bills, it's five and a half. Five yeah. and a half, yeah. So, yeah, I have the Bills covering, definitely. Uh, I really have been disappointed with Jacksonville this season as to this point. Um, the Bills just came off a monstrous win against the Dolphins, which basically proved that they're the top dogs in that division. So I like the Bills covering. I had a parlay last week uh, that all I needed was a – uh, a pick by the Jacksonville quarterback. I can't even say his name. I'm so disgusted of him. Trevor Lawrence. Thank you. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to say it. I needed that. At, for once, he didn't throw an interception and screwed me out of my four-thing four par, parlay there. That's not the reason why I'm, not, I'm going against Jacksonville. I just like Buffalo at home anyway, and especially coming off that win against Miami. Give me Buffalo uh, with the five-and-a-half. Well, Jacksonville finally played their best, most complete game of the season last week in London and crushed uh, the Falcons. Buffalo looks like a Super Bowl team. They average 400 yards on offense, and they look like the team to beat in the AFC. This is a kind of a gut feeling. I'm, I'm gonna. Um, I have a feeling the Jaguars are gonna hang around here. It's tough to play two perfect games in a row. Buffalo did that last week. This, All right, I, so you like the Jags? Yes. I like the Jags as well. I think isn't this game in London too? So no. I think Jacksonville, Jacksonville stuck around. That's why it's so early. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's well, so, yeah, obviously. I I like the Jags. So Bill and I are on yeah. the Jags. You so two I'll guys still take on the Bills. Okay. So, uh, let's see, Bill, Jeff. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Jags won that game because they they stayed there. They didn't have to fly, and Buffalo did. So that, that's a intangible there. I'm still taking Buffalo. Okay. The Eagles are 4-0. They're at the 2-2 two and two Rams. Casey, let me start with you. This Well, did you go first last time? I did. All right, we'll I start with Bill. First. We'll start with it Bill. Well, the, the Eagles, are. I think, are finally starting to figure it out after finishing so strongly last year. Um, the Rams are way better than expected. Um, I, I think Philly puts their season together starting here, and it's hard for me to go against the Rams, but I, I think Philadelphia wins convincingly this week. What's the line on this one? Eagles by four. Yeah, it's, why is it only four points? You know, it seems kind of low. Yeah. You know, across the country, I guess. Uh, no, I'm with Bill on this one. I, I like the Eagles. I think they're, start, they're trying to catch, catch ground here. Uh, with the Rams, Cooper Cup is set to practice for the first time this year, the regular season. Uh, he's not ready to come back yet, I don't think. He said he might play. Yeah, yeah, but I, he's not going to be 100 percent Cooper Cup. Who needs he, Cooper Cup when you got Puka? Puka, he's got NFL Puka. records every single yeah, week. Love, Never heard of the love guy. Puka, uh, a really good receiver. On top of that, uh, but no, this is the Eagles. The defense is going to be there. I think the Eagles crushed the Rams this week on the road. Yeah, I have to agree. If Cooper Cup was fully healthy and they had Puka. I mean, they've had some weird, strange things happen in that Rams organization as of recently. I think, yeah, the Eagles cover on that. I like Eagles as well. All right. Baltimore Ravens, 3-1 and one at the 2-2 two and two Steelers. Uh, it's a, Ravens are favored by four in this one, by the way. Ravens are favored by four. Are, do we know if any of their weapons are coming back or any of their <laughs> receivers not hurt? I don't know. Yeah, so I think that's a huge... I mean, the Steelers have been awful, but Najee Harris finally had a breakout game for the season last week. He's been awful to begin the season. Everybody's questioning Najee Harris. He had a decent game last week. I just don't like the Steelers this year. They they always seem to make it to the playoffs, it seems, but this year, I don't know about that. I, I'm going to go with the Ravens here. 
the, the Ravens are a great organization. The Steelers normally are as well. They're very down. They're they're at the bottom of the rankings in offense and defense in the league. I, I think they're struggling to get their identity. I'm not sure if Kenny Pickett's going to play. Uh, I don't pick Baltimore very often, but I, I'm going with the Ravens this week. I was thinking about taking the Steelers until Bill dropped that. They're the worst team in the league in all facets. Card on it. <laughs> they're the worst team in football. <laughs> Worse than like Denver and good Lord. Uh, with that notion, I, I don't got anything else to add. I'm taking the Ravens. <laughs> I like the Ravens as well. Uh, and and normally this game, especially being played in Pittsburgh, I would lean towards yeah. uh, the Steelers. I would I would go ahead and take those four points, but I like Baltimore in this game. All right, final uh, NFL game that we're going to talk about, and it is no question it is the marquee matchup of the weekend. Dallas Cowboys 3-1 and one at a 49ers team, at 4-0 49ers team that just looks like they are – much better than the rest of the field right now. But Dallas and that defense uh, coming in, anything can happen. Uh, Dave, I think I'm going to start with you this time. Well, the Niners are favored by three and a half, which basically means is a pickup game. A pickup game, excuse me. I, I went through the prop bets on this one. I couldn't find how much the meteor is, is getting on this because that's what I would root for, uh, the meteor to fall into you know the stadium there in San Francisco and take out both teams. But uh, since I can't find that, we got to pick the game anyway. Hate the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're, I, I think they're a fluke. Um, you know, I think the Cardinals really exposed them a couple weeks ago. I think the Car- and the Cardinals played well against the Niners, but the Niners are just with McCaffrey's is playing in the, another level. Um, I like the Niners this week. Uh, you know, Brock the Brock Purdy factor. They're not asking him to do much; they're asking him to manage the game, and uh, that he's doing that maybe is better as good as anybody else in the league. Uh, with that, and it's at home, I'm taking the Niners with a three and a half as well. Uh, this this week's. Game of the year. It's Sunday night, which makes it even better. The Cowboys uh, humiliated the Patriots last week. The 49ers look like a championship-caliber team. Brock Purdy has still not lost a regular season game that he started. That, that's an unbelievable stat. That, that is my game of the week, and I'm going to load up on the 49ers. See, that's what I said. I mean, they're not asking Brock Purdy to win games. They're asking Brock Purdy to manage them. And as long as they've got this nice package with the 5 to 10 yards, goes deep every once in a blue moon, they're not asking them to do much. And then you got McCaffrey, either you can hand the ball off or you can dish it out in the backfield. It's the perfect system for a young quarterback like that to grow, and that's exactly what he's doing. And they're, they're managing that whole thing just awesomely. Yeah, and I think the thing that happens with this game is what defense do we get out of the Cowboys? Yeah, good call. We, yeah. So we have the best defense in the league one week, and then we have a – a defense that goes against the Cardinals and loses and gives up how many points do they give up like 28 30 so it depends on what defense we see out of the Cowboys the offense of the 49ers with McCaffrey Ayuk Debo we they have so many weapons on an offense so I th- I'm going to take 49ers here but it's going to be close the, the, the Cowboys Dak can beat the bad teams he struggles in, in some of these big games and that could be the difference if the Cowboys play mistake-free football which doesn't happen very often, they could win this game, but most likely the 49ers are going to do well at home. It, it comes down to, and, I, and I, I agree with all that, and the 49ers, it would appear, would be not only a better team, but maybe even a much better team in terms of when, you, when you're looking to check all the boxes. Okay, And the Cowboys have definitely shown some flaws. This is one of those weird games, though. You know, It's in prime time. The 49ers are probably not going undefeated this season. At some point, they're going to re- hit a hiccup in the road. It could be this week. And I, I don't feel comfortable enough to, to go on record and say that the Cowboys are going to beat them. But I think this game could turn out to be really interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys ended up winning this game or at least covering the spread. That said, I still got to take the better team and, and go with the 49ers. All right, real quick, guys. Let's talk a little bit of NBA. I know that it's... Uh, many days past the big trade, the Damian Lillard trade. But with the NBA season just around the corner, I think it's worth a mention. And, you know, Casey, I know you're an NBA guy. Dave, you're a Phoenix Suns guy, not an NBA guy. Um, Bill, you like How everything. You. <laughs> Bill, you, you like everything. Casey, I think I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start with the youngest here. And just the aftermath of, of this trade, and, and maybe the bigger issue what does it mean in terms of how the East shapes up now, what the Suns look like going forward? I mean, there's a lot of different layers to peel back here. Yeah, and there definitely is. So 
Obviously, Damian Lillard was traded from Portland. Uh, Portland got exactly what they wanted, and they got the draft picks. They got the young assets. They got everything they wanted that Miami couldn't really offer them. And at the end of the day, Miami didn't want to give up some of the marquee players that they got. So Miami stuck put, didn't let down, and they kept their roster exactly the same way. Um, the Bucks, I mean, now quoted freak time because the Greek freak and Damian Lillard is, yeah, his nickname too. They're called freak time now, which is ridiculous. But, I mean, they traded away Drew Holiday, um, and Drew Holiday went to Portland. Next day was traded to the Celtics. And now the East is just a powerhouse but we don't know what's going to happen with James Harden and the 76ers because he's still threatening to leave and wants to be traded. So there's a lot of things that are going into training camp and all these things that could switch up how we look at the East and the West. But right now, the East look like they have the best two teams in, in, in the NBA with the Celtics and the Bucks. And I'm really excited to see Dame kind of be in a championship-level manner that he hasn't been in I mean, he had one run to the Western Conference Final as a trailblazer, and he's if they don't go to the finals this year, I'll be super shocked. So, okay, that, and that's good. I, I want to take a completely different angle on this, okay? And, and it'll be brief. I just want to look at the Suns for a second. Yusuf Nurkic. And you're going to look at that, a lot of the Suns fans, because he's no DeAndre Ayton. He's not as good defensively. Good. He's not all of those things right. And so, but he's a better passer. Yeah. and facilitator of the ball, yep. I think that it could be in terms of what the Suns want to do with Kevin Durant, with Devin Booker, with the shooters on the outside, I think that he's a piece that fits very well with what they want to do on the floor. And you're going to miss maybe DeAndre Ayton's upside, you know, his the potential for him to be that player that he never quite became consistently in Phoenix, and that's going to be talked about. But you have a piece now, a seven-footer with terrific hands, soft hands, and the ability to move the basketball in that offense and find open people. I think this could turn out very well, and I expect the Suns to actually take another, and I'm no Suns fan, to take the, to take another step towards being that elite Western Conference team with this move. Yeah, they increased their depth with this one. and Not that they weren't deep to begin with uh, before the trade. They're deeper now. Uh, you know, I went through the roster the other day. I had forgotten some of the moves they've made, really, in this whole thing. You know that Devin Booker is the only one left on this team from that the finals team from a couple years ago. He's the only one left. Everybody else is gone. So it's it's incredible how that how everything has changed. Uh, now DeAndre Aiden, the only the problem I've always had with him is that incredibly inconsistent. He can come up with a twenty a twenty point eighteen rebound game one night, and next night he's got eighteen and four. And and he calls – the press conference he had up in Portland the other day, he called himself a dominant low-post guy. Since when? You haven't been a dominant low-post guy maybe since high school at, uh, down in Phoenix. So I, I hope it works out for him. He's a great guy. He's, I mean, he's a lovable dude. Portland's going to eat – the Blazer fans are going to eat him up. But if he's still inconsistent and, no, and he doesn't want to listen to any coaching to make him a consistent low-post player, he's not going to improve. I, I the nurtures getting him in. He's a Euro player. He knows what he what he's good at. He's, you're not going to make him anything else. I, I think it was a great move. They got to find some rebounding, but they got Manute Bowles kid on the team now. I don't you know, give him five or six minutes, give him five or six rebounds in clutch spots. Fine. They they brought in veteran Eric Gordon at, at guard. Uh, whatever he's got left, I'm fine with. And then they got some nice role players in there, and they got you know Bradley Beals. There's a starting guard now with them. It's a nice team that the Suns have now. Whether it's a championship quality team, I don't know. But I think there's there's depth there now. There's they they've covered up some uh, inefficiencies they've had in the past. I can't wait for the season to start to see how this all comes together for them. Absolutely. Do you let me bring let me bring up one little uh, no. We're gonna, no, we're, no, we're, no, we're moving on to about the Lakers. I have, I have a legit ages. question about the okay, Lakers. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So, LeBron in, in his in his, you know, pre-camp uh, meeting with the media the other day said that he's not the face of the Lakers. He said Anthony Davis is the face of the Lakers. And I'm like, the guy that plays 40 games a year is the face of your franchise? Your thoughts, Jeff? All right. Time for sports three games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Bill, you got the honors this week. What do you got for us? Hi, I'm Bill Wankovich. On this week's Sports Through the Ages, we're going to start with Wilt Chamberlain. You might have heard of him. Maybe your dad or favorite sports uncle. 
Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain was arguably the best and most dominant NBA basketball player of all time. At 7 foot 1, 275 pounds, he was the original outlier in pro sports. When most of the big name NBA centers at that time were kind of uncoordinated, just space fillers, Chamberlain completely dominated the game. He was way ahead of his time. He was the Babe Ruth of the NBA. Most of his records will never be broken. That's right, I mean never be broken. Here are just a few of Wilt Chamberlain's records. We don't have enough time to list them all. I'm just going to hit a couple of the, of the key ones. He had 55 rebounds in one game. He scored 100 points in one game. He led the league in scoring seven times, and in one season in 61 and 62, he averaged over 50 points a game. He shot 54% for his career. He also never fouled out of a single game ever. In 1971 and 72, his field goal percentage was almost 73%. And for his career, he averaged almost 23 rebounds. This guy was way ahead of his time. Also, the only center to lead the league in assists in 1967 and 68, it's never been done. He was the man. And when you say most dominant athletes of all time, Will has to be on the list with Jim Brown of the NFL and Tiger Woods in golf. He was that good. You can't have a top list of NBA players of all time and Chamberlain not be on it. This is Flagstaff Phil with this weekend's Sports Through the Ages. We keep forgetting to call him that, by the way. What, Flagstaff Bill? Yeah. Great. 55 rebounds in a game? That, out of all the stats that, Bill, you rattled off, that one like sticks with me. I, I can't imagine somebody getting that many rebounds in I a can't game even now. do that in 2K. <laughs> right. It's impossible. I can't even do that in a career. Well, and how about you know, leading the leading in assist? I mean, that's I mean, yeah. we've got we've got some really athletic centers out there right now that can handle the basketball. Jokic, can, especially. Jokic especially that can distribute the basketball. You're talking about in a different era. You know, this guy yeah. is is out on the break. If you see some of the old black and white clips, Casey, and you see his athleticism, there was one that I saw where they showed his vertical. Because you know, we talk about guys who have this great vertical. And his head's over the rim. So he was all of that, you know, in the 50s and 60s. Absolutely amazing. Bill, great job. And he played on the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. true. And here, uh, here is a ladies man, too. Yeah, that's a whole all other right. story. Yeah, that's a story for <laughs> Next time the bill's up for the ages, I think, we'll, we'll dive into that end of it. No, uh, definitely uh, not. A, An unnecessary stat for this moment. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, heard, I know what the number is, but... Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Another impressive stat in his career. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bill, let's get your ironclad locks of the week. This is Betting with Bill. All right, you know, we're going to start in college. Um, Michigan and Minnesota. Michigan's a 19-and-a-half, 20-point favorite. They've held each of their five opponents this year to single-digit point totals. And uh, they've scored at least 30 points in every single game. Minnesota only averages 149 yards passing. The Wolverines' defense only gives up 85 yards rushing. Second game I really like this week, which is a huge <laughs> Pac-12 game, is Washington State at UCLA. The Cougars have a very impressive sep- September, better than almost any team in the nation. They put up 50 points on Colorado State, and Colorado State lost on the road to, to Colorado in overtime. Washington State quarterback Cameron Ward already has 1,400 yards passing, 13 touchdown passes, and most importantly, zero interceptions. He's an elite college quarterback. They had a bye last week. They got fresh legs. I'm taking Washington State on the road, plus four. Um, flipping to pros, we talked about the Baltimore Ravens and the Steelers. The Ravens, Pittsburgh is struggling right now offensively, defensively. I think Mike Tomlin's consecutive winning season record might be done. I like Baltimore here. And I, I'm going to say something that's going to make Dave happy. I've never done this before. I'm picking the Arizona Cardinals at home as a home dog, plus two and a half against Cincinnati. You really need to take a look at that. The Bengals haven't had a touchdown in the first half, and they haven't scored a touchdown on the road all season. I like the Cardinals. You've said uh, you've made me happy other times before, Bill. No, no I'm not <laughs> agreeing to that. Wow. <laughs> okay, right. maybe you haven't. And finally, the, the big game of the week. Uh, the Cowboys uh, at San Francisco, San Francisco's minus three and a half. The Cowboys struggle in the red zone this year. The 49ers have a very dynamic defense. Dak doesn't play well in big games. Niners win by 10 to 14 points. Wow. Okay, wow. That's, that's, a, that's a big number. All right, Bill, good job. I hope you guys wrote those down. Those are your ironclad bets or locks of the week, courtesy of Flagstaff Bill. All right, it's time for us to bring it back local. 
Uh, this segment is called Sports Around the Mountain. Dave Zorn will update you on everything happening here in Flagstaff and around Coconino County. At the uh, Indio Lumberjack football team, they played a great game last week on the road. Just fell short, falling to the fourth-ranked uh, Sacramento State Hornets, 31-30. to Devin Starling went for 117 yards on 21 carries, and he racked up 450 yards of total offense in the loss and actually outgained Sacramento State in the game as well. This week, they're on the road again and again against a ranked team. They take on the 13th-ranked Weaver State Wildcats on Saturday. When it comes to high school football, Coconino got a huge win at home against Bradshaw Mountain last Friday, 41-7. The game was never in question. Bradshaw's the defending Grand Canyon region champions and were the favorites for a repeat. Senior running back Bridger French rushed for 221 yards on 24 carries and scored three touchdowns in the win. His effort was rewarded with a Week 7 nomination for the Ed Doherty Award, and now he's eligible to win the prestigious award given to Arizona's top high school football player. Dave, Dave real quick, how sure. can Bradshaw Mountain be ranked ahead of Coconino now? I just uh, saw the rankings. They better, just hammered them. Yeah, but better. They they played seed, They played the Canyon de Oro, which is the number two team in four A. Even though they lost, it's a strength and schedule thing. Um, they they've beaten better teams. Uh, the uh, but head to head, Coconino beat them forty one yeah, to seven. It's, and they're uh, ranked it's, below. Them. Yeah, it's also the first rankings too. All right, we, we've got a, a couple more weeks. It'll play itself out. It usually does. And then the IA will screw it all up and place people where they want to play anyway. Flagstaff. We're getting back to this. Flagstaff str- uh, struggled against Mingus, falling to the Marauders at home twenty nine to ten. Uh, Coconino will travel to Kingman Friday to battle Lee Williams, which could be a region title matchup. Flagstaff is on the road to Prescott to take on the Badgers, and, and which could be a, a region elimination game between the two teams because both of them have a loss. As Prescott lost to Lee Williams last week uh, over there in Kingman. So a uh, big week in high school football around here, uh, and things are going to kind of you know level themselves out and kind of set themselves up for a playoff run coming up. So we'll see how it goes. All right, good job. Sports around the mountain, Dave Zorn. Everything you needed to know about what's going on, Flagstaff, and the rest of Coconino County. All right, guys, we are just about to wrap up. It's time for crunch time. And remember, you've got a minute or less for your rant. Dave, I'm going to start with you. I'll take a minute. This will be the first of many hockey rants going forward since the NHL's regular season is set to begin in less than two weeks. Hockey's a man's sport where a guy takes a puck to the face, loses three teeth, gets stitched up, and doesn't miss a shift. You don't see that in basketball where a stubbed toe lands a guy on the injury list for six weeks. Or in soccer where a player acts like a sniper took him out from the rafters, gets carried off in the field, and only be back later on in the game fresh as a daisy. Or if you're Jimmy Garoppolo who won an Academy Award a couple weeks ago for acting like he received a headshot when he didn't. Anyway, as for my Arizona Coyotes, they'll be fast and talented with a few good veterans mixed in. I think they'll have a shot at making the playoffs. One person to keep an eye on is Josh Doan. Yes, the son of Captain Arizona, Shane Doan. Josh had a great camp and will start the season in Tucson with the AHL Roadrunners. However, expect him to make his NHL debut this season. He's already had a hat trick in a preseason game, which is something his old man didn't get until later on in his career. I'm just stunned that this ankle-biter kid who helped out equipment guys trying to carry his dad's stick to the rack after a game when he was a kid is now one step away from making his NHL debut. Truly, I'm just happy there's another contact sport set to begin to make me happy between Sunday and Friday. Alrighty, for me this week, obviously, you guys all saw the Trevor Bauer news. It was all over Twitter, Instagram. Trevor Bauer, Dave. You jerk. Go ahead. So he just released a video proving his innocence. Mm. And when I say you have to watch this video, you need to. Because basically his MLB career was ruined because of this. He was suspended initially for, what was it, five years initially? that He got a suspension down to three years or two years or whatever it was when he did nothing wrong. And this is a thing, it's a, it's a really touchy subject because sexual assault is nothing to joke around with, but when professional athletes make a lot of money and people are sniping them to try and steal their money from them, it's just sad to see. And Trevor Bauer was doing a lot of good for baseball and recognition of baseball, and now he might not even play in the MLB again because of this. It was a great video. I, I really didn't know a whole lot about the story, and it pretty much exonerates him in this young woman pretty much ruined his life. Pretty horrible. Yeah. Destroyed his Major League Baseball career, although he will probably play. He'll, he'll put on a Major League Baseball uniform again at some point. We'll see. Someone we'll will see. take a flyer on him. Not the Diamondbacks, but someone will take a flyer on him. Bill? Okay, this week um, I, I want to talk about why your favorite college quarterback doesn't make it in the transition to the pro game. There's so many factors. Pro defenses are bigger and stronger, faster, smarter. 70% of the pro offense is, is now in the passing game. 
If you don't get drafted to a stable organization with a great track record, with stability and a qualified offensive coordinator, you're in trouble. In college, you can get by on just your natural athletic ability, and but not in the pros. You, you have to be able to read defenses. You need to move in the pocket. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning uh, would not win many 40-yard dash races, but you don't necessarily have to have a whole lot of speed to move in the pocket. The electric college quarterbacks who run the ball don't last long in, in the pro level. And give you a couple examples: Robert Griffith Jr., Robert Griffin the third, Vince Young, Johnny Manziel, who were all unbelievable college quarterbacks who did not make it. Hey guys, my crunch time is is brief, and I, I just want to talk about retiring players and and what that means for the rest of their legacy going forward. What do we remember? Or what are you remembered for? Miguel Cabrera. What's going to be his legacy 10 years from now? What are we going to remember about Miguel Cabrera? I can think of a lot of great players that years after they had retired, we didn't even remember anymore just how good they were day to day. Take Derek Jeter, for example. There's a lot of people out there that only talk about his deficiencies as a defensive player. They don't recall the clutch performances, being in the right place at the right time, the fact that all he did was win games for you. And so as sports fans, let's take these retiring players. Clayton Kershaw could retire. Are we going to remember the greatness that he was, the three Cy Youngs, or are we going to remember how somehow in the playoffs he just didn't always seem to be as good, and that will become the narrative about those players? These guys spend a life in their sport. They devote every ounce of themselves, sacrificing family and everything else for this legacy that they leave. Let's try to remember them for all of the good things they did in sport and maybe not the one or two bad things that we tend to remember about them. True. Cool. Very good. Good way to end. All right, guys. That's going to wrap things up for us this week. For Dave Zorn, Bill Unkovich, Casey Everett, I'm Jeff Kennedy. Thank you for listening as always. And remember, we are not trying to solve the world's problems here. We're just a few guys talking sports. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Good morning. Morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be.